0: Welcome to another Talanoa Talk Now podcast, hosted and brought to you by the American Samo Alliance Against Domestic and Sexual Violence. Fatal whatui sa isi fuiline yo noanga ole Talanoa Talk Now. unfayon na atu, ele mau American Samoa e tutea atui sa wanga wha'alotoi whale masa wanga wha'whiu sua inga. We have with us,
1: joining us today, the Executive Director of Back on Track, Mona Uli. Mona's here to share with us uh, some information, some great information on the work she does, um, the work her organization does, which is Back on Track. But um, with no further ado, I'm gonna, um, we're gonna go into this uh, interview with Mona. We're gonna go into this discussion with Mona so that Mona can share some of the stories, um, some of her stories, some of her success stories. The the work that she's been doing for the past couple of years um, and everything about Back on Track that we need to know. So, welcome, Mona. Thank you for joining us.
2: Hi, Judy. And thank you for this uh, opportunity to talk about Back on Track and the work that we're doing. I appreciate it. And um, the story behind Back on Track is that um, in 2016, I was working at the Alliance and I was also doing community work um, recovery programs at the TCF and the juvenile and in the community. And so one thing about the Alliance is that they don't do uh, service provision. And I found that I really wanted to do service provision and I didn't want to duplicate services that were already happening. I wanted to um, provide services that I saw we're in need here in American Samoa, And so that's what led me to want to start my own nonprofit. And I came up with the name Back on Track because um, it, it, I wanted to help victims to get their lives back. And I wanted to uh, work with people to focus on change programs. And so that's how I came up with the name Back on Track. And so... Yeah, that was in 2016, and, and that's when we started uh, back on track.
1: Wow! And how has it grown or changed over time? Considering you you just said it started you started in 2016. Uh-huh. That's we're it's 2023. That's about like seven years ago, right? Right. Yeah. So, um, so how has it grown or changed over time?
2: Uh, so it has definitely grown in the number of programs that we're doing, but i I can say that we've been true to our to our vision and so I look back at um what I wrote down in two thousand and sixteen and we're still in the in the same vision of of what I wrote down in two thousand and sixteen and um yeah, so so. We're at a place where we're trying to grow staff and build capacity, uh, et cetera. Um, We started off um, as being volunteer-based because we had no funding for um, staff. And so what I have found is that um, with volunteerism, there's no commitment. And that's understandable because we all need money to support our families. And I'm so thankful for the volunteers that we have. And now, in order to grow, we're looking at, um, we're, look, we're filling out um, applications for, for grants so that we can um, get paid staff on board and begin uh, training and so on, focusing more on trainings and um, empowering our community.
1: So what is the vision and mission of Back on Track, Mona?
2: to improve the quality of life through health, wellness, and well-being in our Ayinga and community. And our, our mission statement is working together to promote equity, human dignity, justice, and peace, fostering cultural holistic awareness, restorative justice, and social change as a way to help communities heal and thrive.
1: So, what are the organization's specific goals and objectives? If different from the if different from the vision and mission.
2: So, uh, providing advocacy for victims of violence, uh, wellness programs, uh, recovery programs, community collaboration. Yeah, those are those are the the main things that we're working on that everything comes down to is these programs. You know, uh, I believe that we are achieving our mission. Everything does line up with, with our mission and we're, we're getting there closer more and more every day.
1: (laughs) That's good to hear. How effective has the organization been in achieving its mission?
2: Everything always comes back to the mission. And so these seven years have been a time of kind of a time of building and now, I feel like we're at a place where we're getting funds to be able to the next step in growth is um paid staff and um we're also gearing more towards um community trainings and community uh education um some of the some of the the trainings that we're looking into that we're bringing for our community um uh, one we just had recently, which was um Interpretation uh, uh, skills for for uh, interpreters here in American Samoa, and so these. uh, My thought is um, to build a pool of interpreters that people can call on to come in, um, provide service. Whether it's the courts, whether it's the hospital, uh, whether it's social services, we all need um, interpreters, and so. Interpreters, I, I think we do a grave injustice to people when we don't provide in, uh, proper interpretation. And so, um, yeah, that's that's a big part of it. Another training that we're trying to bring through is um, mediation training. Uh, working at the uh, legal aid office, um, you know, whether it's divorce or land disputes, um, How important it is to have mediation involved and so that you don't have to, you might not have to go to the court to dictate to you what the, you know, what their decision is. But if you're able to work it out for yourselves and where both sides are in agreement, you know, that's that's part of, you know, resolution. (laughs) And so I'm thinking, you know, uh, church leaders, village leaders, you know, everybody will benefit from, you know, learning how to do proper mediation. So these are some of the, the trainings and programs that, that I feel are important to bring to our community. Are you planning on doing that one again? Is that going I to guess, be, that's gonna, that's gonna be an ongoing one? And um, we're, we want to get to a place where we can um, separate into different ethnic groups. And those groups can build their vocabulary. Because I know the Alliance worked on a a someone um, vocabulary for trauma-informed care um, verbiage. And so that vocabulary is so important because we all need to be on the same page and and understand what what words we're going to be using.
1: Uh, Tell us about the work of the organization. Aside from that, Mona, tell us. About the work of the organization as a whole, the program or programs you run um, and other services you provide the community with
2: yeah, so um, a big part of our mission statement is social change, which is um, like systemic change, and so it's very important to um, what I've learned is that um, it's one thing to advocate for one person to Get across the street, but when you can change the way the street is built, and so you help the rest of the people that come after that person. So systemic change is about creating change for everybody and versus just one person. And so, um, um, we do the, 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 the meetings every month, the CCR coordinated community response team and the sexual assault response team. And these are opportunities for our um, community to come together and talk about our system and how can we improve our system and make it safer for victims as well as hold, um, hold uh, perpetrators accountable. And so uh, I was just reading the other day that sexual assault is an act of do- domination humiliation, (laughs) violence, and abuse of power mainly committed against women and children. So this act is a form of social control that keeps victims in fear and in unequal power relationships. And so systemic change is so important because um, um, victims... um, Victims need to know what kind of uh, services are out there to support them so they can navigate the system, or else they're not going to report, they're not going to reach out for help, they're going to think nobody's going to believe them. And so that's why it's important to build up um, these systems. And so the programs that we're doing is, um, we're so glad that we uh, are doing domestic violence, sexual assault advocacy, and we just opened our uh, our Jessica's place, which is located at Teddy's of Samoa, we're going to have our official opening um, in August after we uh, finish um, finish with a few things, and then we have our we've, uh, wellness is a big part of um, back on track. So we have our our wrap programs and um, our our wellness um, support. And things like that, and um we have our recovery groups uh twelve step programs, and um I shared with you, Judy, that I just completed my training for uh to be a recovery coach wow. so that's that's huge and um we have our warm line, our domestic violence resource line, so it's a number that anybody can call to have someone to talk to chat with our vent too. And so it's versus um, um, just being isolated. And so um, this line was a national line, but I um, decided it's more effective if I, if we just focus on American Samoa and Hawaii. So we were getting a lot of calls from um, different States, people in many different States, but we had to cut that out, so now we're just for American Samoa in Hawaii and uh we're also working on a reentry program working with the the t c f and the juvenile uh, our parent support group, which uh, is hybrid um, in person and uh online and um and our our community resources so I'm putting together um a community resource directory that i've been working on for years but um i'm at a place where i'm just going to finish it off and hopefully make it available online as well mm-hmm. yeah. and then upcoming upcoming um programs is uh, uh a residential residential homes i see the need for that that you could have all the programs you want but if The the key piece that's missing is uh, residential homes. And so residential homes can be uh, transitional homes, uh, homeless, uh, sober living homes, uh, group homes for the youth, halfway homes uh, for reentry, et cetera. And so that's my next project is um, residential homes. And then the second one is... um, a mobile crisis unit um, to be available 24 hours a day for victims. And um, one thing that I realized is that if there's no advocacy right away, then the victim um, might not report or might not, um, you know, might not know the, the resources and the help that is available to them. So so
1: what differentiates some of your program, um, some of these programs that you're doing from other organizations that are running similar programs?
2: So one thing that I, because I'm a nonprofit and uh, nonprofits are very different from government uh, organizations. And so... um, one thing that I can say is that uh, our programs are not uh, clinician based, like um, they're more support support group type of programs. And we we want to work with clinicians. We we want to work in partnership with clinicians. But support groups are are not uh, clinician based. It's giving people options. And um, maybe maybe this person doesn't want to go to social services or maybe this person doesn't want to report to the police or maybe they're not ready to go to the police. So our programs are um, are victim centered. And so doing uh, supporting victims to go the route they want to go. And um, if they don't want to go to the police, if they don't want to report, then we support them. Yeah,
1: so it's for me. It's just giving people options. Yeah, that's that's great. That's great. I like that you're giving people options. That can be something where you're where you are different from what others are doing, right? I mean, some of the, some 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 of these other programs come in, and it's like you don't have those options. It's like one of those straightforward programs, standardized and so forth. So that's that's really good. Um can you share with us, Mona, some of the risks and challenges that the organization that back on track faces today? I mean if, if there aren't any that's fine. Um, but just in case there are, um what are some of the risks and challenges that the organization faces today and how do you plan to overcome them if there are any?
2: Yeah, I think the main thing has been funding uh, to build capacity and to build staff. And so, I, I, whenever I see a need, I create a program to fit the need. And um, if I see that there are already programs available, then I, I won't. Fo- you know, I'll just refer people to that program. So I, I really am not duplicating services, but I'm trying to fill needs that I see. And gaps that I see, and so um I've been um, bringing out a lot of programs, but um, looking for staff so that I can release those programs and focus more on um, more on grant writing because that's where the funding comes from it comes from the grant writing and grant writing is. Uh, a lot harder than I thought it was. <laughs> you really have to start the, the grant writing process months ahead, and you have to do it with a team. And it's not something you can just throw together in, in a week. And so I'm, that's what I've learned. And um, I would want to focus more on the grant writing. Another another challenge is that... Um. um my the language barrier I I don't speak someone so that's why it's important to me to um, find higher staff that are bilingual as well as to provide um, uh, interpreters uh, for different languages but I am working on my someone I am um, practicing and getting there little by little
1: Yeah, thank you Mona for sharing those. Um, Sometimes it can be hard to share the the challenges we go through, right? Even as an organization, even if they're not personal, but because for many of us in this work, the work is personal, you know, like, like you, this, you are your work. You're the only one doing, when we talk about back on track, it's an organization, but behind back on track is you when you're not there on track doesn't exist. So um thank you for talking about those challenges, the risks you face. And um because they are they they can become struggles if we're not doing anything to them, right? Um, and like you're saying, you're overcoming them by um I know you didn't mention this, but it's also something that um that I see I see happening on your end is that you talk about the language being <laughs> being a challenge but then you're also trying to learn the language you know mm-hmm. so that is one way of overcoming it because for many of us we say well i don't speak the language but we're we're not making an effort to learn the language right mm-hmm. and have the culture so but I, I i see you you're you you might not speak the language now but i also see that you're well versed in some of what we have in the culture you know because you're seeing things you've experienced things so so, so thank you for that. How were your services? Um, how were services of back on track affected by by COVID? I know we were. I know the world was hit in twenty twenty, but we were hit in twenty twenty two, right? In American Samoa. So, how were your services and your programs affected by COVID? So, um, so it was it was
2: kind of a good thing because. Because uh, I had already been trained in a lot of virtual um, things when when I was there at the alliance, and um, um, I was I f- I feel like I was prepared when COVID happened to to go online and to do virtual meetings and so on, and so it was a great way for me to to offer wellness programs online and recovery programs online and to start testing that and practicing that. And so um, that was a a huge plus for me was getting familiar with uh, technology and Zoom and all these other programs. And so I was able to offer uh, wellness uh, and RAP uh, programs online um, to people that were in – lockdown and to people that were in um, quarantine and uh, I had people you know afterwards thank me for offering that because quarantine was a tough time for them but they said because they were practicing wellness it it helped them to get them through and there was a there was an incident where they kept telling them uh oh you're going to be guys are going to be released tomorrow and oh not tomorrow monday not monday and people got frustrated and people were angry and people lashed out but i'm glad to say that the people that were in the group were calm because they were practicing wellness <laughs> so yeah um that was one of the good things that came out of the whole covid thing was that it um uh, uh, led me to, to start utilizing uh,
1: virtual programs virtually. So, what is the what is Back on Track's impact on the community it serves? What is the impact that, that Back on Track has on the communities that it works with, that it's, that it's serving, or that it's working with now?
2: Um, so, I, I think we're slowly moving forward we we've kind of been on the down low because uh we didn't have all the pieces in place but we're slowly um promoting more promoting ourselves more and so slowly uh getting the word out there about our services and that we're here and the work that we're doing so we're we're still moving forward and um what i'm really focusing on is uh Collaboration and partnering with other agencies and and building that and um, yeah, so that that's one of my main focuses as we move move out and move forward is uh, a collab, collaboration with partners.
1: Thank you. Um, share some of your success stories. Can you can you please share with us a a success story of Beckham contract? track? I
2: mean, it can be anything, anything you want it to be. Um, so all the work we do, it's it's not even work to me. I enjoy it, and I love helping others and helping people navigate through the system. Um, uh, and so, the favorite times for me is when I'm when I'm on the bus or while going somewhere and someone stops me and says, hi, Miss Mona. And she, and I see that they're, they're doing well. And to me, my heart always, um, you know, is just so full when I see that because, um, I know that I had a, a part in that, but, um, one, uh, one favorite story that comes to mind is, is a woman that came to help came to, to, Uh, me for help and um uh she was trying to get custody of her daughter Uh, she was trying to get her daughter and she had gone everywhere on island for help and everybody nobody helped her including the dps and so she just couldn't find any help and when she came to me i hand walked her um through the to navigate the system and we ended up at dhss and we worked with dhss and um and um i shared with them that she is the biological mother she has all the right and blah blah, blah. we worked together and uh that week um she got her daughter back and uh, when i When I met with her, she just fell on my my shoulders and she just cried to me and said, "Thank you because nobody else helped me and that alone just made my day and made this work uh showed me how important this work is that nobody uh no agency you know took the time to sit down with her and help walk her through the process. And that's my favorite story. (laughs) And to this day, we're like friends on Facebook and we keep in touch. And she just shares with me, you know, she continues to thank me every time we say hello and stuff. But, you know, that it just, it was just a a couple of things that I did that made a big difference for a mother who was trying to fight for her rights. Yeah.
1: That's a beautiful story. That's, it uh, doesn't say it. it is a success story but it sounds like a very beautiful story for me um so congratulations on that um share on the affiliation so this is this is when we talk about the partners Mona um share on the affiliation that you have with the American Civil Alliance against domestic and sexual violence or the alliance as known by many um or how is the alliance connected to the to the work why do you why do you work with the Alliance, who are these people? <laughs> <laughs> who are these
2: people? <laughs> well, first of all, I, I worked at, at the Alliance for uh, for five years or so. I, I started out as a volunteer, and then uh, I got when a opening came up, I got hired, and um, when. When uh, opening happened at um, Legal Aid, I applied and I moved on to Legal Aid because I wanted to learn more about the law. But my time at the Alliance um, is always very special to me because um, I, I learned a lot at the Alliance, and um, I mean, I learned a lot, and uh, everything I do that comes back to my training and what I learned at the Alliance... Um, and so the, the big piece that I added to back on track is mental health and self care. And, um, that I learned personally at the Alliance. And, um, that is the basis for all our programs is mental health and self care. And, um, Judy knows I always share my little story about, about, um, about self care at, a, at a, the Alliance how how <laughs> oh, we were we were all we were all arguing all the time, and we were we would shout across the room Don't, all of us stuff would be shouting at each other across the room and so but then when we started learning about uh self-care and and um it we learned about how to respect each other and how everyone has different you know things going on in their lives, and the more we got to know each other, the more we understood each other, the more respect we had for each other. And I can say today that I really consider uh, the staff at Alliance, I consider them family, and I consider them good friends. But um, yeah, my everything started at the Alliance. So I'm so thankful and appreciative to the Alliance and um, the partnership that we continue to have. Judy knows she's my, my go-to person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So thank you, Alliance. Thank you for, for all the support and everything.
1: <laughs> so as a partner, how can the Alliance continue to support you? How can the Alliance continue to support Back on Track as a partner? <laughs> um...
2: So the Alliance continues to support me um what with whatever um whatever programs that I'm doing, I'll, I'll always connect with, with uh you or Jennifer people at the Alliance uh if there's any assistance that they can help me with. So mm, yeah, the Alliance has always uh been there for me, uh supportive to back on track. Uh, um, even, even providing guidance,
1: yeah. You know, um, I, and I don't mean to go back. Um, I should have said that this before I asked this question. Um, but you know how you were talking when, like, um, back back in the days when we were all working together and how we would like, um, fight or or um, you know, like, um, disagree. <laughs> I want to say fight or, um, or you know how we would argue or disagree at work and so forth. Um. It's all for me. It's like um, it's all come full circle now because yeah. um, when we learned, when we learned about wellness, when when we discovered wellness, right, uh-huh. um, the, the importance of our mental health, self care, well being, yeah. and all of that, um, I can actually say that for today. While we use that, now that we have those skills and we've received the training, um, etc., and then you look back, um, I can actually say that there has been, um, there has, uh, um, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say, it works, it works, because, you know, a lot of people don't, don't believe that. But when I look, when I look at, when I look back at what you were talking about, And I think of today, I can see the difference.
2: I think that's the other difference with our programs and other programs is that uh, you are the expert on yourself. Mm -hmm. And So, you know, when when I talk to, when I go to groups and they're like frustrated, they go, we need to have uh, professionals come in and tell us what, you know, what is wrong with us. And I'm like, no, you are the expert on yourself. And um, these programs help uh, help individuals with lived experience. Lived experience um, is valuable, too. We've so I- had
1: professionals come in and talk to us.
2: <laughs> yeah, and it's not people... Uh, telling you what you need to do, it's you exactly. taking personal responsibility on mm-hmm. and learning what you need to do and do. That's wrapped. That's what the wellness recovery action plan is all about. And <laughs> it's about work. You don't yeah. go
1: there. You don't go there and then sit and take some time to breathe breathe in, breathe out, and then you're like, oh, I'm well, you know, that was good. And then someone told self-affirmation and then you're you're feeling good and i'll see that wellness is good. No, wellness takes work. (laughs) Wellness (laughs) takes a lot of heavy lifting, you know, and and but some of that part includes um talking about our emotions, right? acknowledging our emotions and validating our emotions so that part we get that part we talk about but then the other part like you said we have to practice what we teach that's where the heavy lifting comes in you know so so yeah i'm i'm always i'm always for wellness i'm always for wellness my you know if anyone anyone were to ask what's the big w in your life judy wellness Wellness is the big W in my life. Um so. but I just wanted to mention how that has changed to us today from where we were years ago. And I, I see that. I see the change. I see the change. So that's why I will always say wellness works because I the change. I've seen the change. I have seen the change. I don't I don't just say it works, it works, no. I, and then for some It has worked. I see it changed. I see the changes, but they're not seeing it. They're not seeing it. That's why they're like, they're like, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And I'm like, I've seen the changes. You're not seeing the changes. So, um, (laughs) so yeah. Um, how do you work with peers who address similar issues, Mona? How do you work with other, um, you can see that question as how do you work with other partners other organizations and agencies that also do similar work as 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 you. Uh, I
2: I value partners um, and uh, the other agencies that are doing the same work, advocacy and um, recovery. I I always try to promote other agencies because we're we're so limited in our. Um, resources here in American Samoa and uh, our population is 55,000 and so I'm not trying to keep everyone to myself I always um, focus on building partnerships and I value uh, other agencies that are doing the work so uh, I often if if I see that um, another agency or another program would better help this person I will refer them I'm not trying to keep people to myself. I'm I'm about helping people get the support they need. So I'm not afraid to uh, refer people to other programs. And I've seen you do that.
1: I mean, I'm not saying that you're, you're referring things over to us or anything, or you come over to the Alliance, but I've seen you do that. Um, and when people mention you, um, and when pe- people talk about you, people talk about back on track, that's when you know that Oh, you've connected with Mona. Okay, so you've made that connection mm-hmm. with Mona. You've, um, <laughs> whether you've referred over or them referred to you, but
2: go, yeah, go. I'm all, I'm also honored when when I get referrals because um, I, it tells me that yeah. we're building partnership and trust. And so, yeah, I always appreciate when I get referrals from other peer agencies that are doing the same work. Yeah. For me, it's um. For
1: me, because I know I refer things to you, but for me, it's for me, it's the service. It's the service because mm-hmm. there are others out there that I can easily refer to people too. But it's it's not. It's, of course yes, it's trust, but trust for me there is a smaller component than the service because for me when I when I refer things to on track, I know, I know it's going to get done. People, I know they're going um, to, the, the victim is going to get the call. I know they're going to get the, they're going to uh, get the CPR, if they, I mean, uh, CPO, if they need, need it. I know they're going to get, um, they're going to get support when they go through the system. Um, so it's, it's the service for me, because when the service isn't there, they're going to end up. They're going to come back to me because, and because I've said this to a lot of, of victims when they come to the light uh, stores Only yes, we're not a service provider, but you still have to sit them down and talk with them in order to find out what's going on, and in order for me to be able to refer them to whatever referral that that suits that suits them best. But, um, but I always tell them. I'm going to refer you. Is it okay if I refer you to so and so and so? Um, And then you have to, um, you might have to go down there and see this person or this organization. If you don't get the service that, and I always say this, I've never really told anybody this, but I'm saying this for the first time. I always tell them if you do not get the service that you need, uh, or if you feel like you're not getting the support you need, you come back to me you come back to me and there is, there are other advocates that I've never, I've never done it. I mean, I've never gotten it from everybody that I've referred people to. No one has come back to me to say, well, you know what? Um, so-and-so hasn't really supported me here and here. So, so for me, it's actually the service and I, I and because I trust the service, um, that, that track has going, yeah. and going okay, on.
2: Because I'm so big on, um, on uh, systems, um, I always um, follow up with the the victim or the person I referred, and if if they didn't get the service that they, you know, were were referred for, uh, were referred for, I will contact the agency and I'll hold them accountable that. You know, you guys said that you guys do this, this, and that. Were you guys able, or why didn't this happen, or why did not that happen? So I always try to hold agencies accountable for the work that they claim they do. Uh And Uh so I try to do it, um, um, and I'm glad that I do it because it helps me have understanding about, you know, their end. And I've come to find out that my understanding of their work Was a little bit different so there's clarity comes out of it as well as holding people accountable
1: (laughs) thank you for that mona um and thank you thank you for the services you do Um, thank you for the services thank you for the services that you provide some of those victims um i can honest i can honestly say i have not Heard any complaints about back on track. Yeah. <laughs> and those are things you want to know, right? Uh-huh. Because you want to know because it's not to take them the wrong way, it's not to, but it's it's so that we can improve on on our services, right? Yes. Or if we are doing it right and the victim's getting not understanding as well, then it's also something we need to take into consideration, is that um, we have to explain things better than to the victims because one thing about advocacy, it's not just a service. It's the awareness, right? Everything Mm -hmm. you're doing for everything you're supporting the victim with, um, how you, what you're doing, how you're doing it. You're always supposed to clear, clear with the victim, right? I mean, maybe not clear it, but make them understand, like you're not just doing things in the dark or, you're not yeah. just doing things without their consent, without their knowing so. It's, it's advocacy can be providing that service is a lot because it's not just the service you're providing, you're also providing awareness.
2: Yeah. Um, and I know it's, so it's so important to have a process in place. Mm-hmm. You know? And so, yeah, we're, we're all doing our own thing, but what's the process? And if a victim If if I can't navigate the process, how can the victim navigate the process? If there's too many um, too many hurdles in the way, they're going to give up and they're going to say, "Forget it." And we don't want that. We want them to get the support and the help that they need.
1: Um, What are areas of opportunity for back on track? Um, And how could you do better? What are areas of opportunity for for back on track? And how we how how could you do better? How can you do, uh, be better at them or so? Um,
2: I think the number one is, uh, grant writing. Yeah. Okay. And, and um, yeah, because, uh, once we get some funding, then we'll get some staff that can, you know, that can run our, our, our programs. And then, um, because right now I just feel like, uh, it's all on me and that, you know, that's, that's very, um, unprofessional. Yeah. Everything should be able to move forward, whether Mona's here or not. So that's my goal is to get funding, train uh, our staff and let, uh, let the programs move forward. <laughs> Is there anything that you wish more people
1: knew about back on track or the issues you were trying to solve? Um, or, or support the community? With?
2: Yeah, that we're we're um we're more peer-based, uh peer support, um, peer-based, and so we're not clinicians, and so a lot of people might um put down our programs saying that well they're not professional programs but they are and it's about supporting people where they're at and um helping them to get from point A to point B and and helping them to navigate the system and yeah so yeah
1: mostly mostly that <laughs>
2: Um, yeah, also I, I um I do still believe in volunteerism and if there are people out there who have the time and have the the passion to to do this kind of work, we welcome uh, we welcome volunteers.
1: Uh, we're almost done. So, how can one obtain your services? How does one obtain the services
2: of back on track? Um, so, anyone can contact us. Um, whether it's uh whether it's for yourself or a family member or uh, yeah, if you're not sure if these programs are uh, for you or if you have more. Um, questions just feel free to contact us and our, our contact information is um um two five six four five nine one um um I also have a we also have a Facebook page um Mona Uli and um and then there's other programs under there like back on track and a lot of programs under under there. And so one thing I did want to share is that um I'm, um I'm very uh, I'm a visionary. So it's important for me to to envision things and then work towards it. <laughs> so one thing that helps me is that um on on Facebook when I have an idea of something that I want to do, I'll create a Facebook page for it. And then I I, <laughs> I put the name, and then I start every time I have things to add to that. I just add it to that Facebook page, and I continue to build it until until I bring it to fruition. <laughs> but it it has helped me to envision it and to build it, to see it, and then to build it. And so, if you go on my Facebook, uh, you'll see that I have a lot of pages for all these programs that I've talked about that I started uh, through Facebook pages. So we have a CCR SART Facebook page. We have a residential home Facebook page. We have our peer support Facebook page. So, so uh, some of the Facebook pages I have on there, I haven't even, um, are still at their starting points.
1: You haven't updated yet.
2: Yeah, (laughs) you haven't had any other thoughts about it. Yeah, but yeah, I'm so thankful for Facebook because it helped me to, you know, envision these programs and then to build on them. And so many of them have come to fruition, (laughs) and some of them are still, still waiting. (laughs) Interesting, interesting.
1: That explains why you have so many Facebook pages.
2: Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah i even have the parent support group facebook page and yeah but they're all that, under they're all under yeah yeah and so i'm in another organization i right. in yeah. uh the women's coalition uh and so um i was think uh i was asked to start a facebook page for women's coalition of american mm-hmm. Samoa, but i said um I asked if someone else can do it because I have too many pages already. <laughs> and I don't want it to go under back on track because it's not a back on track organization. Okay. All right, then.
1: Um So you provided your contact info there. Um, what do you do personally? What do you spend most of your time on? As moda. So
2: um, I'm very busy because uh, I do work uh, part-time at legal aid office. And um, as you know, Judy, I I cut my hours to part-time so that I can focus on Back on Track. And so um, I've actually been doing this work for Back on Track work um, without pay and um, voluntarily. And so, um, with back on track work and legal aid work, I spend a lot of my time there and playing catch up and, um, with the family as much as I can. I have a grandson here and I have a grant, my other kids and children in the state. So I try to spend as much time as I can there. And also, um, on my wellness so I I make a uh, wellness and self-care a priority and uh one thing that I've learned is that uh to um, to be a, a a personal coach or a recovery coach that it's important that you have a coach for yourself as well and so I do have a coach I do have uh wellness groups that I'm a part of and. Um, Even when I do my my recovery programs, I also uh, put myself in there and hold myself accountable. And so I continue to learn every day with whatever programs I'm doing.
1: So, yeah. Thank you, Alliance, for teaching me about wellness and Uh (laughs) self-care. So is wellness important oh, well I, so the question is is wellness important in the work of your organization of course it is so um how are you practicing wellness or how is your organization how is back on track promoting wellness what is wellness what does wellness look like for for mona and for back on track mm-hmm. so what do you do for
2: wellness yeah in all of our programs it, there's a, a wellness piece in there. And so um so always teaching people about uh wellness tools and building your wellness toolbox and, and so on and what are your wellness tools and, and so on. And so um for me what I do for wellness is um I love uh I love listening to music and um
1: I love, um, what
2: I'm starting to do is um, uh, gardening and even um, even fixing up my house. I mean, uh, it helps me to feel better about myself and helps me to feel better about my surroundings. And so that's been one that I've been doing is um, fixing up my house and working on my house and gardening and... Being healthy. Yeah. And my music. I love um, I love to play music. I'm a Pandora uh, person and um and my newest wellness is um Ian e. Tommy. So we've come to the thank you for that, Mona. Thank you for sharing it. See,
1: wellness can be as simple as listening to Ian e. Tony. I mean it doesn't have to be these elaborate things. Like we we think of Wellness, somewhere like oh, I need to take a vacation. I need to go overseas. Uh, you know, it's no, it, 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 it that can be chaos. You know, um, but things as simple as gardening. I love how you say <laughs> you're doing your gardening. Um, I need to learn how to grow my orchids properly. I swear, my orchids are dying. So, <laughs> but they're part of my wellness. They're part of my wellness. You know. When they blow, I took them to the office. Um, so um, it's it's all part of my wellness that I'm hearing you mention the same things. I'm like, yay, I'm not the only one doing them. So, <laughs> so sorry about that. Thank you, Mona, for... We've come to the conclusion of this interview. We want to thank, back on track, we want to thank Mona Uli for joining us today for this interview and shedding some light on not only this... <clears throat> an organization that she's founded, but the organization moving forward, the organization from seven years ago, moving forward to today, as well as all this work that that she does. And if anyone wasn't, um, and if anyone didn't catch it in the interview, but Mona, and I like to say this all the time, Mona is a one-woman gay. Um, She has been working on her own, like doing these... Yes, she's reaching out to partners. Yes, she works with the alliance. Yes, she has um, a part-time job. Yes, she's working with these other partners. But when it comes to the services, Mona's actually the one that's walking that wall. Mona's actually the one walking down those hallways, those corridors, or in the courthouse, the police with these victims, for those of us who don't know. So, um, and it's not that Mona chooses to work this way. Right, Mona? It's just that you're, um, you. this is how you've started. Um, bit by bit, Mona has started up that um, contract. And if you heard Mona in the interview, she's trying to get some funding so that she can hire some people to join her in the work. Um, in this work that we do in servicing the community, serving the community, supporting the community. <clears throat> so thank you, Mona, for everything you do. Thank you for thank you for sticking around. I swear. I, I swear. Um, another piece of information that you might not have heard from Mona um, in the city, but Mona is not from here. Mona is Samoa, but Mona's from San Francisco, right? Mona, can you can? Um, I don't know if you mentioned that. I, I don't think you mentioned that in in the background of of, um, of back on track, but Mona is. Um, Is a citizen of the U.S. Mona was born in San Francisco, raised in San Francisco. Mona just moved here to American Samoa as an adult, as a mother, and she's and Mona Mona um, has witnessed has seen the many prevalent issues we have here, the gaps in our systems, um, the support, the resource that we don't have, the resources that we don't have that we still need um and Mona has chosen to make a her home. and um uh, Mona, Mona is San Juan don't get it wrong Mona is San Juan. um she uh, she does doesn't speak the language but Mona is someone her siblings her parents are San Juan so forth she has a lot of families in Simon um Mona is a native of San Francisco and has chosen to make on her home now for the past. How long now Mona? Uh, seven, eight, nine years? Has it been uh, 10 years? Eleven, yet? 11 years. 11, eleven years. Okay, eleven years. So so um <laughs> and Mona's not going anywhere. And that's <laughs> why I say thank you for sticking around. Because anybody else uh, will probably see, probably experience what Mona has experienced, the struggles that mona has gone through back on track has gone through and probably would have closed doors left right um left because they're like well you know nobody cares about this work or nobody you know nobody's willing to work with me so forth and did it but Mona has decided to stick around because she sees that um, our community our people are in need of these services so thank you mona thank you for everything you do thank you for back on track for for everything you do as well um if anyone needs any more information on their contract if um you can also contact the alliance um we can provide you with, with that information or we can easily just refer you to mona um if you connect with the alliance so thank you mona for more information on this podcast or for other podcasts please connect with the alliance at 684 272 or visit us on our Facebook page. Until the next
0: podcast,
1: be safe.
0: Thank you for joining us and hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast hosted and brought to you by the American Samo Alliance Against Domestic and Sexual Violence. For more information, please call 684 699 0272 or send an email asa@dsv@gmail.com visit us on our website at www.asalliance.co or visit our facebook page at american samo alliance against domestic and sexual violence fa'a tailo a o mai ma atonu sa famelaina lo fa'funga anga i le nei fa'talanoanga ua mafai ona auina ele ma o america samo it's ter a tua esposa wangafal o teu wanga mas a wangafafe usa enga monizie fom talanga fom o mole vale a o telefone o novo valufa o novo o luo fitulua pe email imai foi asa dsv at gmail.com. dot com pe a ciência imai lugal e o perante falangi o facebook o le american samo alliance against domestic and sexual violence faftai